Welcome to Folk Liar, the show that asks you to pick out the lie from among three possible authentic folktales. My name is Brian, and I'm the Chief Liar. Figure out which of the three stories presented I made up, and you could win a luxurious mug. Naturally, I rewrite each story in my own particular way, but if you know your folklore, it should be easy to tell. If you don't know your folklore, pour yourself a tea and have a guess anyway. Listen through to the end of the show for how to enter. Last episode, I told you three stories about telling stories. We heard about the noble liar, the self-important parson, and the fisherman and the bait. And I'm pleased to say lots of people made lots of guesses about each of the stories. But the fake folk tale was number three, the fisherman and the bait. And our lucky random winner with the correct guess was Alyssa. Congratulations, Alyssa. You win a luxurious mug. And thank you to everyone who entered and played along. But now it's time for you to listen to three new tales and make your guess. This time they all focus around one particular character from Norwegian folklore. The Ash Lad, or Ashkeladden, is usually the runt of a given three-brother litter. He's low status and generally kind of a dip. He is neither popular with his brothers nor well thought of, and he is often associated with the lowest sort of work in the household, usually tending to the fireplace. But often he turns out to be quick-witted and resourceful, and so wins through in the end. And it's fairly likely we'll see more of him around here as time goes on. But for now, let's get on with the stories. When their father died, three brothers were finally forced to get work and provide for themselves. Each of the brothers took what little money was left and split it up among themselves. Since the brothers considered him too dumb to notice, somehow the youngest, Ashlad, ended up with less than the other two. The two older brothers set out to the east and the west, but the Ashlad stayed where he was, wondering what he might do to improve his lot without having to go to too much trouble. He thought for some time before deciding what to do. Weeks passed, and eventually Ashlad's oldest brother returned. He'd failed to find his fortune, but was confident he could trick his youngest brother out of his share of the money and try again, since the lad was such a fool. Brother, said the oldest, I've had no luck making my way in the world. I've lost all the money I had and returned poor and hungry. Tell me, what have you done with your share? Ashlad thought for a moment and said, Well, I'm no better off than I was when you left. I buried the coins out in the field and am waiting for them to grow. But so far, nothing has happened. What a fool my brother is, thought the oldest brother to himself. The money will certainly do me more good than it ever will him. That night, after supper, when the oldest brother was sure Ashlad was asleep, he crept out of the house and into the field, where he began digging furiously for the coins with a shovel he found there. But not knowing where to dig, and not daring to ask his brother about their location lest his plan be discovered, he was unable to find any trace of the coins. The next morning, finding his oldest brother asleep in bed late into the morning, the ash lad set off for town. While he was gone, the middle brother returned home with much the same story as the first. When he explained his circumstances to the oldest brother, 
The oldest brother told him about the money buried in the field, and both men resolved to get it for themselves and split it between them. They spent the rest of the day digging everywhere around the field, looking for the hidden money. In the evening, Ashlad returned home carrying a large sack of grain. He found his brothers in the field, exhausted, but still digging, and when he called out to them, they jumped up with a start at fear of being discovered. "'It's good to see you will both work hard for my money,' said Ashlad. "'If only you had thought to work hard for your own. Never mind, though. You can both still work hard for me, for I have taken my money to town and bought this sack of grain, and if you will just take some and scatter it around this freshly dug field of ours in the morning, I'm sure we can all live well enough when the harvest comes in.' And so they did. The next story also features Ashlad and his brothers, but this time there is also a troll to contend with. Once there was a very poor, very old man who didn't have much at all. So he died. He left behind three sons. Well, two sons he would admit to, and one he very much wished he didn't have. That son was the youngest, of course, and not only did his father not like him much, neither did his two older brothers. The older brothers refused to allow Ashlad to tag along while they went off into the world to make their fortune. You, they said, the only thing you're good for is sitting by the hearth digging in the ashes. We don't want you hanging out with us. Which, you'll admit, is often said by older siblings. So off went the two brothers to make their fortunes. They both found jobs at the local royal palace. One was hired by the gardener, and the other by the stable master. I suppose I'll have to go it alone, said Ashlad, who was known more by his nickname than not. And so he set off, but not before taking with him his father's one true possession, a bread trough. It was heavy and cumbersome, so the older boys had simply left it behind, even though it was all they had left of their father but not Ashlad. Ashlad walked for a time, and eventually he too arrived at the royal palace, where he also tried to get hired on as a servant. Unfortunately, two strapping young lads had just hired on earlier in the day and taken all the available servant jobs. Ashlad was tough out of luck, it seemed. But Ashlad had gotten used to begging and pleading for any little kindness his brothers or father could muster, and soon the people took pity on him and let him work for room and board in the kitchen. Fortunately, Ashlad had also learned to work hard, thanks to the laziness of his older brothers, and busied himself carrying firewood and water for the kitchen maid, which had the effect of endearing him to everyone. They all grew quite fond of little Ashlad and treated him quite well. However, his brothers, whom I may have mentioned were lazy in addition to being mean and thoughtless, did not fare so well. They barely knew how to work at all, and so were barely paid. But at least they received regular beatings in the hopes their attitudes might improve. Which never really works, but people try it anyway. In any case, they soon found out how well their little brother was doing and became jealous of his modest success. Now, it happened that a troll lived in the area, just across the lake from the royal palace, which many people, including the king, thought was quite rude, especially since the troll was in the habit 
of letting his seven silver ducks swim all over the place inside of the palace. Now, hardly a king born can resist the lure of seven silver ducks, and this king in particular wished he could have them for himself. The two brothers got wind of this, and immediately saw a way to, if not improve their own lot in life, worsen Ashlad's. So they told the stable master that Ashlad had said that if he wanted to, he could go get the seven ducks for the king. Well, the stable master did exactly as the brothers suspected he would, and told the king what Ashlad had supposedly said. Which he hadn't. Which is what he said to the king when called before him. I never said that, said Ashlad. But the king was having none of it, and insisted Ashlad retrieve the ducks for him. Fine. Since I seem to be stuck with this task, give me a barrel of rye and a barrel of wheat, and I'll see what I can do about this duck situation. And so Ashlad was given the wheat and the rye and sent on his way. He walked directly down to the lake, dragging the wheat, the rye, and the bread trough, which you nearly forgot about, with him. Setting the trough in the water, he put the wheat and rye aboard and rode across the lake in it. Once ashore, he scattered the wheat and rye all over the place, but most especially in the bread trough. And then he waited. And sure enough, just like any old regular duck, all seven silver ducks soon came marching along, eating the grain up to the bread trough. When all seven had stepped aboard following the grain, Ashlad climbed in and swiftly rode off back across the lake. About halfway back, he heard a loud voice from the shore he'd just left. Oi! said the very loud voice. Are you stealing my silver ducks? For it was the troll. I am, yelled the boy. You, uh, you figure you'll be back this way anytime soon? asked the troll, trying not to arouse suspicion. Could be, called out Ashlad, while rowing away and trying not to arouse suspicion himself but fully aware of what his success as a duck lurer would mean to the rest of his career. Well, you can imagine how much everyone enjoyed the sudden appearance of seven silver ducks among them, the king especially, and how much more they liked Ashlad for having caught them. Except his brothers, of course, who only grew more resentful and envious. Trying again, they told the stable master that Ashlad had said that if he felt like it, he could go over and get the troll's gold and silver coverlet whenever he wanted and bring it to the king. Which, of course, the stable master then told to the king. Look, your majesty, said Ashlad, you've really got to stop your stable master from either repeating to you everything he hears or at a bare minimum believing my brothers every time they open their mouths. But again, the king was having none of it, and demanded the boy get the coverlet or else be executed for talking to the king that way. Fine, he said, but I'll need three days to consider the matter, to which the king agreed. After three days, Ashlad rode across the water in the bread trough and found the troll's cave, outside of which he hid, waiting patiently. Back and forth the trolls went, for there was more than one, going about their business for the day, until eventually it came time to air out the laundry. Ashlad waited for them to hang up the gold and silver coverlet and go back inside, then darted from hiding and snatched it off the clothesline. 
Once again, as he rode to the middle of the lake, a troll came out of the cave, noticed him, and called out, Oi! Ain't you the one that stole my seven silver ducks? Indeed I am, called back Ashlad. And now I see you've taken my gold and silver coverlet, hollered the troll. So it seems, yes. Coming back again, asked the troll, feeling as if it was inevitable at this point. Sadly, I probably am, yes, said Ashlad with a growing sense of inevitability of his own. When he got back with the coverlet and handed it to the king, Ashlad was even more popular than before, and the king was so happy he made the boy his own personal servant, which of course only upset his two brothers even further. And you'll never, ever guess what they did. Look, said the king, I know this is frustrating, but if you're going to go around telling your brothers that you can collect the troll's golden harp that makes anyone happy whenever they hear it at any time you want, you simply have to accept that word is going to get to me through the stable master and I'm going to want it. So maybe don't boast in front of your brothers anymore. But I didn't... Oh, fine. I don't expect to have any more choice this time than I did the last two, do I? No. But if you do this for me, and bring the heart back. You can marry the princess and have half the kingdom. Does that sound fine? Oh, but if you fail, off with your head. Your majesty, if I fail, the least of my worries is going to be the headsman's axe. I expect the trolls will finish me off for you. At any rate, I'll need six days to prepare. And six days later, he put the bread trough in the water and put a nail, a birch twig, and a candle stump into his pocket and rode across the lake. Once there, he marched along the shore, making such a racket that the troll came out of his cave to see what was going on. Oi, said the troll, ain't you the boy that took my seven silver ducks and my gold and silver coverlet? You look a lot like him. Yes, at this late stage, I must indeed confess, I am the boy who took your seven silver ducks and your gold and silver coverlet. Right! said the troll, and snatched the boy to take him inside the cave. Once inside, the troll called out, Daughter, I got him! I got the little brat that stole my ducks and my coverlet, see? And he held Ash Boy up and waggled him about. Toss him in the sty to fatten up. When he's ready, we'll have a feast and invite all our friends. Which she did. And for eight long days, Ashlad was kept in the sty, where the troll's daughter fed him all the best foods and wines in as great a quantity as he wanted. At the end of the eight days, the troll sent his daughter to cut Ashlad's finger to see if he was fat enough to eat yet, neither of them realizing that the resources spent on fattening him up could have fed the trolls quite nicely four times over. But there you go. When she got to the sty, she told the boy to stick out his finger, but Ashlad held out the nail from his pocket instead. He's as hard as iron yet, said the daughter when she reported back. Not ready at all. Eight days later, the trolls tried again. This time the boy held out the birch twig. He's a bit better, she reported, but it'll still be like chewing wood. Eight days, and a total of at least 48 really good meals the trolls could have enjoyed themselves. Later, the troll's daughter went out to check on the boy again, and this time he held out the candle stub, which the knife cut into quite nicely. He's ready, she shouted. 
Right, exclaimed the troll. I'm off to get all our friends and family for the feast. Prepare the brat, fry half of him and boil the other half. And out the door he went. So the troll's daughter set about sharpening the knife she was going to use to prepare Ashlad. Is that really the knife you're going to use? asked the boy. It doesn't look near sharp enough. Let me have it and I'll get it good and sharp for you. I've never been good at sharpening knives, said the troll's daughter. Go ahead and have a go. And so Ashlad set about sharpening and honing the knife. It's ready, he called out. Let me test it on your braid. And much to the troll daughter's brief surprise, but not to anyone else's, as soon as she leaned down to let him test the knife, he grabbed hold of her braid, yanked her head back, and cut it clean off at the neck. After that, he cut her in half, threw half in the fry pot and half in the boil pot, put on her clothes, and sat down to wait. Which we can all agree is very, very creepy. But it worked, no matter the differences between a human boy and a troll girl. When the troll got home with all his friends and relations and asked his daughter to come eat with him, his daughter said she didn't want any food because she was too sad to eat. Well then, said the troll, get the golden harp out and play a bit. You know it makes anyone who hears it happy. Yes, father, but where is it? said the boy dressed as the troll's daughter. It's over the door where you always leave it. And Ashlad, looking, saw the golden harp hanging there right above the doorway and couldn't for the life of him imagine why he hadn't seen it there before at any point during the last 24 days of his captivity. Apparently, Troll is delicious. Because no one noticed the boy take the harp down from the doorway and begin strumming it while walking in and out of the cave until, at last, he was able to stroll all the way out to his bread trough, which he shoved into the water so hard and fast that it left a wake as it made its way out to the center of the lake again. Well, the troll, suddenly thinking it had been a minute or two since he'd heard the harp or seen his daughter, looked up and spotted, way out in the middle of the lake, the boy in the bread trough. Oi! shouted the troll. Ain't you the boy that stole my silver ducks and my gold and silver coverlet? Yes. And now you've got my gold harp, have you? Yes, indeed I do. But I just ate you, screamed the troll. Ah, no, sorry. That was your daughter you just ate. Toodaloo, said Ashboy. Hearing that, the troll was so shocked, stunned, and angry that he burst and completely ruined everyone else's meal to boot. But of course, Ashlad got to marry the princess and got half the kingdom along with her, just like the king said. And he never had to go on another quest again, because his brothers went mountain hiking one day and rocks fell on them. So there's that sorted. And finally, Ashlad wins another princess in quite a different way. There was once a king whose daughter was a complete and total liar. She was so good at it that no one in the kingdom could match her, not even professional liars brought in specifically for the job. Well, the king had had enough, and declared that anyone who could lie well enough to make the princess say, you're a liar, would get both her 
and half the kingdom. Although, why you would want a princess who lies, no one has quite explained. Sure, go for half a kingdom, but stay for a wife who is honest and true. Well, a lot of people tried, and a lot of people failed, until it was, at last, the turn of three brothers. The oldest two, well, they gave it a go, but really did no better than anyone else. The third brother, the Ash Lad, decided to take a shot for himself and set out to meet the princess. He found her in the stables. Good day, he said. It's a pleasure to meet you. Good day, said the princess. I'm certain you don't have a barn as big as ours, for when a shepherd stands at each inn and blows on a ram's horn, neither can hear the other. Which is a very odd greeting when you think about it. Indeed not, said the boy. Ours is much bigger. Why, when a cow becomes pregnant at one end of it, she'll give birth before she reaches the other. You don't say, said the princess. Well, I bet you don't have as big an ox as we do. When a man sits on each horn, they can't touch each other even with a twelve-foot pole. Pish posh, replied the ash lad. Our ox is so big that when someone is sitting on each horn blowing an alpenhorn, neither one of them can tell what note the other is playing. Indeed, remarked the princess. All the same, I bet you don't get as much milk as we do. We milk into enormous troughs and carry it in and pour it into big cauldrons and curdle big cheeses. You can tell the princess is off her game by the lack of detail. Maybe she decided she liked the ash lad. Just a bit. Oh, we milk into great cauldrons and carry them in and pour it into huge brewing vats and curdle cheeses as big as a house. And then we get a big gray mare to tread the cheese... I was going to drive to the mill with her one day when her backbone broke, but I knew a remedy for that. I took a spruce tree and put it in for a backbone, but that tree kept growing and became so big that I climbed up to heaven through it. When I got there, one of the saints was sitting there weaving a rope of barley broth. All at once the spruce broke and I couldn't get down again, but the good saint lowered me down on one of the ropes and I landed in a fox's den. And there sat my mother and your father, patching shoes. And all at once, my mother gave your father such a blow that the dander flew off him. Which was overdoing it a bit, but perhaps he decided he liked her too, and so made it easy for her to lose gracefully. You're a liar, said the princess. My father's never had dandruff in his life. And so they were married. So that's the Ash Lad, the traditional third and winningest brother of Norwegian folklore. But what did you think? Two of the tales are real, but one I made up all on my own. Was it Ash Lad and the Foolish Brothers, Ash Lad and the Troll, or Ash Lad and the Lying Princess? If you think you know, and even if you don't, send your guess to liar at folkliar.com. If you're correct, you'll be entered into a drawing for this episode's prize, a luxurious mug. Get in quick, though. You've only got five days from this episode's release date to enter. Be sure to include the episode title in the response so I know which show you're entering for. We can be found on the web at folklier.com. If you head over to the generosity page there, you can find a couple of ways to help support the show and ensure more episodes. You can hit our store on Redbubble and grab some stickers and things. Or you can donate and subscribe through Buy Me A Coffee, just like X-File, Brad Cobb, and Memer84 did. 
Membership has its privileges, like access to transcripts, early show releases, and access to a special section of my Discord. So head over to folklier.com and check things out. Thanks for listening. Folklier is a production of Fiddleback Productions and is researched, written, and produced by Brian Casey. Music was provided by Blue Dot Sessions. Our luxurious mug prize is awarded by random draw from among all correct entries. Entries are only accepted by email at liar at folkliar.com. Entries are due no later than five days after the episode is first published. One entry per person. Please.